Today is a great day for car wash. Yeah, sure. Car wash. <laughs> <laughs> this is the car wash on the SL podcast. She's a song on a car. Good day and welcome to episode number 100. Yes, that's right, our 100th show of the car wash. On today's show, we take a look at the few transfers done over the January window. Does Sundowns have an unfair advantage? And we break down Kaiser Chiefs' issues with the PSL. Whether you're tuning in on SL Podcasts with Sierra today, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Mahi King 96.7. Game time. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Roberts. And today... We have a very, very special guest, the second best looking guy on the podcast, Matthew Booth. How are you, my friend? Morning, Sean. It's all good. Uh, thanks for getting <laughs> me up early in the morning. Um, <laughs> so, so far, so good. Congratulations on your um, your 100th. Um, Thank you. Thank you didn't you. manage to pick up any caps for your country, but you managed 100 podcasts. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Thank you. Always good having you on the show, sort of, Matthew. This will be your last time, I guarantee. Uh, we <laughs> should have Takeo back next week. Unfortunately, he is uh, unindated of being super famous. But we start with the joke of the day. And here we go. What does Jeff Bezos do before bed? He puts his pajamas on. Did you get it, Matthew? No, not at all. Pajamas on Amazon. No. Oh my goodness me. That is so that's probably worse than the last time that you <laughs> It's absolutely beautiful. Righty, from there, it can only get better from there. We move on to pole position. Pole position. Pole position is the segment where we ask our fans and our supporters club certain questions and get voice notes replies. This week we asked you, whenever Kaiser Chiefs show interest in players, the clubs tend to raise the price. Do you think this is fair and this is what you had to say? Other teams, they just put offer on the table just to disturb each other. Yeah, it's not it's not fair at all. It's not fair at all because all the teams in the PSL, whenever Chiefs want, want their players, they put high price for the players. It's really not fair. But at the end of the day, it's part of life. It's been happening for a long time. When we need players, we have to buy players. The price tag will go up. There is something that I don't understand here. When other teams buy players, the prices are normal. Immediately, when 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 Kaiser Chiefs beat, the prices are inflated. It, it is it is so unfair. Not only to Kaiser Chiefs, but to the player in question as well. Chiefs have been buying players from Zimbabwe, and we've been laughing at them that they're buying one and they're getting two or three for free. Now it does make sense that why they're putting the price up for them because the Chiefs, I respect them. I don't like Chiefs, but I respect them. I know. When it comes to Kaiser Chiefs, they put in the price high. It's not it's not fair, serious. It's not fair because Kaiser Chiefs is like other teams. We have to always complain because we don't buy. For the price, that one is not a problem. We have to buy. Chiefs, I no, 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 no. Price tag is not a problem. Players are expensive, so we have to buy. There's a lot of players that want to play for Chiefs, but it's about their club owners and agent maybe involved somehow, but it's really not fair for football, as in football in general, rather. Yeah, Maddie, um, obviously sort of very one-sided in terms of opinions, but at the end of the day, football is a business. 
And if you're a brand like Kaiser Chiefs, there's obviously going to be a price tag to that. And don't forget, it's not just Kaiser Chiefs. There's obviously Pirates, the big spenders. Uh, there's obviously Sundowns, which is an, which is an obvious one. Um, yes, it can be unfair on the player in terms of his progression, his career. But this is football, right? It's, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it's a difficult balancing act, you know. I think um, if Chiefs or Sundowns or Pirates um, feel that they're being hard done by, um, then unfortunately they've just got to stick to the market price, you know. And if the agent or selling club is going to be unreasonable, then so be it. The player must try to find somebody somewhere else. Or what will happen is the player sticks to his guns and says, okay, you're not going to do the deal now. Well, I'm going to wait out my contract. Uh, And, you know, you, you, you risk the... The, you risk the possible um, loss of, of, of earnings, you know, um, if I go free in a year's time. So, you know, if clubs stick to their guns and stick to the player's market price, um, then I think uh, clubs, the selling clubs, would become more reasonable eventually. Um, and, I, and I know for sure that, especially with sundowns, you know, everybody wants to do business with sundowns because they know that sundowns have got um you know big pockets and in the past they've been uh, quite ridiculous with regards um you know the money spent on players and and they've they've inflated um the market price when it comes to players but you know um many clubs can't compete with that sort of uh spending so those clubs just have to stick to um, a player's market price and I think the market would eventually settle yeah but uh, I, I can't see that happening anytime soon and, and just to touch on Sundowns quickly but we're going to speak about Sundowns uh, further down the podcast but uh, I think 25 million for someone like Tebokho Mokwene whether that's true or not true is is super inflated I don't think any player in the PSL is worth 25 million what, what are your thoughts on that? yeah I would agree you know he's um, he's one of the the, the best players and um, around without a doubt uh, playing in that position he can play as a number six or as a number eight you know a great free kick taker um, but more importantly sundowns are going for good characters and and Tobojo is that you know um, intelligent you can yes. see it in his eyes when you when you stand in front of, in front of him and talk to him mm. he's an intelligent player on and off the field and that's what uh, sundowns put a lot of emphasis on as well um so yeah, it is it is uh, inflated, but you know, sundowns aside, you know, you, sundowns can't buy everybody, right? No, <laughs> yeah. um, so sundowns aside, um, the other clubs, when negotiating with agents and selling clubs, they have to set a reasonable marketing um, uh, uh, value. Yeah. Um, and and if if they, if they don't do that, then you're going to be in for a real roller coaster ride, and it's and it's up to your your Chiefs and Pirates, who have been the mainstays of these of this uh, beautiful game of ours. Yes. Yeah, I think a good example um, behind the scenes. I think I think there was an opportunity for Chiefs to cash in on, on Nukovic when he was at his peak, and I think they should have. But I know um, from what I've heard is that the, the price was super inflated, and you know, and again, I don't think a play in the PSL is worth over a million dollars. You could have a different opinion to that. Um, Maybe the only player at the moment could possibly be Shalulile. What do you think, Manny? Yeah, um, I think Nukovic um, at his peak uh, could have uh, topped that. Yeah. Um, I think he's still got a lot to offer. Um, just by the way, I think um, you know if played in the right position, 
Uh, I like him playing as a nine, um, drifting off the the right centre back shoulder, um, not hugging the touchline as a left winger, yeah. not not dropping too deep. Um, I like him to to stay up front to be a focal point and let Billy Atandoli and Kusinga uh, Pile Mobo to yeah. play in and around uh, him. You know that that's that's going to be his strongest point when he when he does return. Um, but yeah, from a pricing point of view, uh, when he was banging him in for for Chiefs, I think he could have he could very well have uh, fetched an asking price above a million dollars for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's stay with Chiefs and let's, let's talk about very briefly um, about Stuart Baxter and what is happening at Kaiser Chiefs. It's been all over the press in the past week or two in terms of that. Uh, it seems though Baxter is, is batting heads with the hierarchy of Chiefs in terms of the signings done or the signings not done. Um, that he had no idea about the interest in Satebe. Uh, you know, it, this is a common thread, isn't it? Uh, especially at the, the bigger teams in terms of who really signs the players, Matt. I mean, uh, we saw Gavin Hunt have exactly the same issue when he was at Kaiser Chiefs. You know, this is a trend that has to change. I mean, um, we saw Pizzo, we presume Pizzo had 100% control at Sundowns and you saw how successful he was there. Um, what needs to change, uh, Matty? I mean, it's, it's, I love seeing a, a coach like Baxter at Kaiser Chiefs he did lead Kaiser Chiefs because of this exact situation back in, I think, 2012 or 2013, a little bit after that, possibly. Um, but things don't seem to change. I mean, it's a good saying in life, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? I mean, it must be so frustrating for a head coach. Yeah, and there's another good say- saying, once bitten, twice shy. Um, yeah. And, and doesn't seem to be the case um, for Stuart. You know, I think um, <clears throat> the first thing that you do as a coach um, is that you, in your, your contract, not verbally, but in your contract in black and white, you state that you are responsible for the the, the signings coming in and out. Yeah. Um, if the club tried to convince you that they have a technical director or sports director that uh, whose responsible it is, mm. um, I would not take the job. Um, very few uh, TDs and sports directors in South Africa actually keep their ear to the ground um, for uh, with regards to local talent and talent coming from the continent. Um, very few of them know <laughs> who the who the young, brightest star in the NFD or in the third tier is actually. So generally in South Africa, it's down to the coach to to, to source and to to draw up a list mm. of, of possible targets. You know, um, that's the way that I feel it should be done. Now, with regards to Chiefs' uh, situation, you know, really, who, who who knows what's going on? You know, we we sitting from the, on the outside, um, speculating. You know, so it's difficult to tell. Um, but what I would like to say is, you know, from a player's point of view, you know, if a player does um, sign a pre-contract, you know, six months before yes. uh, his contract ends. I cannot fathom why clubs, and Chiefs were guilty of this with regards to George Malaleka, I cannot fathom why clubs put him on the bench or don't give him the time of day or leave him out of the squad yeah. when, he's, when he still has a service to offer. Makes no sense, does it? And, and I really, I can't understand why this is done, you know. Um, mm. I know it's out of spite, you know, you're trying to devalue the player, you're trying to uh, lessen his performance before leaving. but. In actual fact, believe it or not, uh, Sean, players are actually quite professional, <laughs> and they'll mm-hmm. give you 
they'll give you that service for uh, uh, for until your his contract finishes you know so uh, why not use that service yes i think the best example of that many that i can think of is uh, when robin johannes robin johannes was still at cape town city and he signed a pre-contract at stellenbosch but and he still captained Cape Town City all the way to the end of his contract, and I think he was actually awarded Player of the Season. Do you remember that? Exactly, and yeah. you know, um, you know, I've, I've butted heads with uh, John Kimitos before early on in my days. I've I've I played uh, with with him, um, for him, yeah. with you at at Ajax uh, Cape Town, yeah. and he, you know, we both know that he used to be a footballer himself. Yeah, you know. He runs his club um, as professionally as as can be. You know, he spends a lot of money on marketing, which not a lot of clubs uh, do. Yeah. And he acted in that manner. You know, because he realizes that <laughs> players um, often have to take the best offers where they can. You know, we we kind of mercenary in that way. So he accepted it and understood that Robin still had a lot um, to offer, and he certainly didn't want to disturb. The equilibrium at uh, you know within that team at that stage. Yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And, and, and what a difference it makes to have a a football person running a football club, right? And this is something we spoke at length, take from myself and possibly you on a previous podcast. That there's too many owners that have possibly never kicked a football before, and they're surrounded by people who are not football people and. And you can see it evidently in the PSL. Yeah, again, you know, he's 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 also a businessman, as as are most um, uh, club owners. So yeah. it's a fine balance between running a business successfully, mm-hmm. but ultimately, um, you know, you you want to treat players who have given you good service uh, with respect. You know, and I don't see any respect when it comes to um, players who are just uh, basically shafted. You know, with six months to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting one. I hope things can change, um, and there's a lot of clubs that are victim to that. Uh, let's move on quickly just to the. Uh, I want to go through one game with you, Matt. I don't know if you saw Orlando Pirates versus Amazon in the Midbank Cup. Um, Benny very boisterous about that they were beaten by the man in the middle. Um, what, what do you think about that game? Do, do you believe that that was the case? Was it uh, were Amazulu unlucky? Amazulu got a penalty anyway towards I think eight minutes towards the end. So there's no excuse for them not to equalise. But uh, do you think Amazulu were hard done by? Um, well, I can understand his frustration when he saw that first incident um, with Mosele. Mm-hmm. But uh, if anybody reads the rules and knows, knows anything about the rules, um, they have changed recently. Um, and I would, I would I would encourage yeah again yeah. <laughs> I would encourage anyone to any football fan to download um, the iFab app. Um, it's the international rules app, and they regularly update every season. You know the slight changes in in the rules were globally, mm. and it clearly states that uh, if you go to ground in the box and your your hand is supporting you. In other words, fixed to the ground and supporting your body weight. If the ball hits your hand, it's not a handball. Yeah. Uh, which is, I feel, what happened with Mosele. Mm. If if your hand is off the ground and and raised vertically or horizontally away from your body, making your body bigger, and it hits your 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 hand, then it would be a penalty. But his hand was clearly fixed to the ground, supporting his body weight. So, in my opinion, the referee made. Uh, a poor decision in blowing his whistle initially mm-hmm. and then I think realizing that it wasn't uh, a handball 
and then had to fix it by dropping the ball for um, for for the opposition. So I think he got that wrong, but ultimately the decision was right. Yes, it wasn't yes. a handball. Yeah, so that was the boiling point, you know. Um, but as the game in the game, the game in general, I think. Um, Pirates were on top of Amazulu. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. and you know, people must also realize that um, post-match interviews, you know, a, a coach uh, often deflects. In other words, protects his players, mm-hmm. always protecting himself in what he says. Yes. And um, so, yeah, I, I I can't agree with what Benny said after the game. Because uh, I thought that pirates were were generally on top of uh, Amazulu and and deserved to go through. Yeah, I think I think Benny played it down. Uh, well, wouldn't say obviously played his protecting his team against saying uh, you know Amazulu are a small team and they came against a big team. Amazulu are a massive team, Matthew. And and with with this new ownership, I believe, and when the when the floodgates open again in terms of uh, fans being loud in the stadium, you know, don't be surprised if that stadium is packed to the rafters every weekend. And I, uh, do you agree that Amazulu are finding their feet again in terms of being a powerhouse in the PSL? Because they certainly were back in the day. Oh, without a doubt. They're yeah. a sleeping giant. And mm-hmm. that's why um, I couldn't help but shed a tear when Celtic, um, you know, um, yeah. disappeared from the scene. Crazy. They, they were another one, you know, yeah. a sleeping giant. And and uh, another thing that's so sad about uh, the COVID situation and lockdown is, you know, when, when Benny went on that fantastic run of, I think it was 14 games mm. um, unbeaten, you know, uh, to take them from the bottom of the table to number two. You know, can you imagine if he had um, the, the momentum that he would have had of generating a fan, a fan base, a regular fan base that attended the, sta- um, the, the, the stadium uh, home game? Incredible. I'm getting goosebumps as you say that. I'm just picturing it. Yeah, and it, it it would have been amazing. And they've lost out on that. But you know, if they show faith, and we we hopefully soon we're going to be allowed to to have mm. to go back to the stadiums. I'm not sure why we're not um, at the moment. Yeah. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, Let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, no, it's, it's hopefully, I'm a good can generate that. Um, that that fan base, you know, that, that goes regularly back to the games and and create that vibe and compete with the bigger clubs. Yeah, yeah I think they will. And and let's hope that the the Sungu brothers have a vision in terms of because uh, we're going to get into this a little bit in terms of Senegal's coach. That they they give Benny a good three, four, five years. They trust him. They build a team around him, um, and not just a sort of hit and miss. But again, a good result for Orlando Pirates, potentially finding a little bit of form that they've been lacking. Um, and hopefully they can continue this into the into the league. Yeah, again, you know they've um, for, the, for the last couple of seasons I've, I've championed them um, and and suggested that they might uh, sneak it ahead of Sundowns, but that hasn't been the case. And yeah. you know I think it, the squad over the last couple of seasons kind of reminds me of um, Sundowns uh, during my second stint, where at one stage they signed. 14 players in the January market, uh, January transfer window, you know, and and you know Pirates haven't gone to that extent, but they've they've chopped and changed their squad. They've brought in players uh, mm-hmm. and, and not just a handful, but a you know quite a contingent every season, yes. and that can be quite quite disturbing uh, for a squad. You know, if you just look at their midfield talent alone, yes, um, you know it's it's quite a headache for a coach to have to deal with that kind of talent um, that they have. Um, and so they they really haven't been 
consistent in their in their starting eleven selection. And I think if they can get that right, they'll start getting um, positive results. Yeah, I agree. It must be hard for a player, not just necessarily a squad, um, in terms of rotation and I suppose the lack of identity that Pirates have had over the past few seasons with the chopping and changing, uh, especially on the coaching front as well. But you'll watch that one closely. Well done, Pirates. Uh, let's just touch on the transfer window that's just happened, Manny. Um, I think the one that sticks out to me, or the two that stick out to me, obviously, is Tabojo Makwena to Sundowns. It was always on the cards. Um, I do feel, though, that not enough was done to get him to Europe because I do feel he was good enough for Europe. Uh, your take on that quickly, we did speak about him now, but just in terms of, do you think he was good enough for Europe and, and was Sundowns the right move for him at the end of the day? Yeah, again, it depends on uh, what sort of offers were on the table, you know. Um, at his age, uh, it would have been probably, uh, you know, let's let's go to Belgium or, or Holland and earn similar money to what he was earning already um, mm. at, at Supersport compared with um, earning maybe triple or quadruple the, the, the amount at Sundowns. Yeah, but once you're in the system, Matt, once you're in the system in Europe, you're in the system, right? Yeah, that's right. And... and you know, you know. There's often fans will criticize players for going to Sundowns for the money, but you know, if you're a player, you, all, you a professional player, you'll always have the confidence to say, okay, there's two or three players in my position, but you know, I'm I'm confident enough to to win my position, my starting position. You know, obviously, it some sometimes doesn't work out um, as it has for for many a player at Sundowns, but. You know, you've got to go there with, with, with confidence to say, you know, you're going to win your position. Um, but if you're slightly younger, if you're in your early 20s, and this is where age comes in, um, I would always recommend a player to go to your, your Russia or Belgium or Holland, perhaps not earn as much money, but you're going to be playing with uh, better players generally, coached by better coaches generally, uh, and you, you, will, you will become a better product for our nation for Bafana Bafana so it's a big win for your character and it's a big win for us as well um, yeah, absolutely well said um, but we'll be watching him closely as you say a great player and a very very cool guy uh, head switched on I think the surprise of the transfer window for me was surprise Rolani uh, from Cape Town City to Sundowns um, you know it's interesting to see what Rolani the coach coach Rolani said about him um, you've got to look at the stats even though he's 34 35 and I think he signed on a 2 plus 1 I think it was or 1 plus 2 or something like that are you are you surprised by that, that signing in terms of age or do you think he can bring something into Sundowns with the in-depth squad they already have yeah well I mean when you look at uh, signings um, the, the, the two that stand out for me that were a bit surprising um, was perhaps Tabum Tete uh, when he was about 32 and he signed a four-year contract for Sundowns, mm. um, if I'm not mistaken. But he provided excellent service. You know, as a centre-back, um, you you age like good red wine. <laughs> so they say. You have your exceptions, though. Yeah, yeah I'm an exception. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was more like a poor brandy. Yeah. Yeah. A box wine. You're a box wine. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he provided great service for Sundowns, um, and 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 Sundowns don't just sign willy nilly nowadays. You know, they, there's a lot of work and analysis that goes into it. 
Um, and uh, Relani um, will add something to the team, you know, something that the coaching staff has seen in him. Um, the way that uh, Sundowns play, um, it's not, he's not the type of winger that will hug the touchline. You know, yes. Sundowns love to play with slightly tucked in forwards or wingers. Um, also, they love to invert as well, which Rolani has done many a time. Yeah. Um, so he will again offer something um, good there. You know, another one was perhaps Brian Onyango, which was a mm. bit strange for me. Um, and lo and behold, he's now coming to the fore. You know, he's he's adding a bit of presence at the back there um, now that uh, Nascimento has unfortunately left. Yes. Um, so, you know, nowadays um, they're a lot more. Thoughtful and intelligent about the the and and it's 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 almost a science, you know. They've created a science around signing players, so they don't just sign willy nilly like like they've done his before, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you say that because they have signed uh, a head analyst at the start of the season, a guy called June Baker, who's one of the top in the game. I think he was at Ajax before. So yeah, it's all based around stats, Matt, just like you've been saying. So every signing has has its reasons. Um, Sekakuna United being quite busy. Justin Shonga, I think, is a very good signing. Lucky Boy Makwena, Evan Jizike. Um, and then our boy Vuyo Mere, who must be about 65 now, who signed for TX Galaxy. Um, it just shows when you look after yourself, man, you can really push your push your uh, uh, career out there, can't you? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to look after your tools, you know, and, and Vuyo, <laughs> Vuyo's done that. Um, he's, uh, again, um, very intelligent guy, um, knows knows what what the game is about. Uh, looks after his body, yeah. um, you know, and it, it's paid off. You know, um, again, you know, a stalwart at, at right back, still mm-hmm. got a couple of seasons left in him, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, and rather surprising that Swallows um, allowed him to to go. To be honest. Yeah, that's it's an interesting one. It just shows um, different coaches have different beliefs have different visions. Um, and we played with them at Sundowns, I think. I think that's where we got to know them especially. But let, let's, uh, let's move on now to the international news desk. We are joined by Soccer Laduba's international news correspondent, Mr. Kurt Buckerfield. Kurt the Dirt, how are you, my friend? Shawnee, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Hi, Matthew. I'm good, thanks. Good, you well. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, man. Good. Good, good. So, what's happening on your side of the world, Kurt? Any, 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 any drama to report? Um, no drama. No drama at all. Everything's well. Um, just been uh, having these late nights watching the football, but uh, no drama at all. No, life's good. Life's good. And yeah, well, let's touch on the AFCON and uh, Senegal win their first F- AFCON, I believe, and absolutely incredible scenes. Um, talk us through, Kurt. Do, do, do you think they were favourites? Do you think uh, Egypt were a bit hard done by? Um, what's what's the news on the street? No, so I think on balance, I'd say Senegal probably deserved to win uh, AFCON. I think Egypt are a really difficult team to watch. They aren't really um, an exciting, free-flowing, enjoyable side to to sit there and watch, but. Um, no, they did very well to get to the final, of course. They needed extra time and penalties in almost all of their knockout rounds. Yeah. Um, but no, on balance, Senegal, probably the uh, deserved winners. Um, uh, Ali Ossisa, I'm delighted for him. The, 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 the coach, obviously, has done really well. He's been there for seven years now. Twice a runner-up, once as a player, once as a coach. 
Um, so to take Senegal over the line um, must be a huge deal. And uh, I think we've all seen pictures of the celebrations in Senegal. Um, absolutely massive. So yeah, happy for Senegal. Um, not a great final, I'll, I'll admit. Um, one thing I've seen worse finals. Yeah, you know, true, true. But one, one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I'm sure that you guys will be able to weigh in on this, but Salah not stepping up for a penalty. Um, he was obviously set to take the fifth kick. Um, but his turn yeah. didn't come around. I don't know if you guys uh, were playing in a final like that and your best player didn't get the chance to, to take an effort from the spot. Um, how would you feel? Yeah, I think they obviously bat the first four penalty takers, right, to 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 slot them home. And then just like a setting goal did with... Um, uh, oh. Who's the guy that went for the winning uh, penalty? Mane, Sadio Mane. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was a similar sort of you get your best to take the last one, I guess, but it obviously backfired. Um, Maddie, what's your feeling of that? Do you think Salah should have come in number two or three? Yeah, hindsight is a beautiful thing, you know. But um, I think your, your first your first penalty take and your fifth penalty take are your two most important um, takers, you know. So you either put him first or you put him fifth. The fact that um, you know his teammates fluffed their chances, you know, was a bit unfortunate for him. But that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is. And just touching on their coach, um, Curti, uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but. I think Senegal have stuck with him, was it for eight years? And he they have shown faith in him. They've, he has managed to build a squad that he's been allowed to build. Um, and now the dividends are starting to show. I mean, isn't that just a beautiful, beautiful story? But you kind of wish all teams, all national teams, especially Bufana, would, would be like, would, would have the patience uh, for a coach to, to start building a, a powerhouse that he's done. Well, exactly. It just breeds, um, you know, f- familiarity and players come into a system that is set yeah. and they know what is expected of them. They know um, what kind of football will be expected from them, from the coach. And they'll know how he deals with players, with drama, um, with kind of everything, with expectation. So I think that coming into a squad like that for a young, talented Senegalese player coming to that side now, um, it's just a, it's just a good group. It's a, you know, it's a, just that f- familiarity for me, at least, um, from the outside. Is it, it can only be good. It can only um, bring about positive results over a long period. He's been there for seven years. I mean, as I said earlier, he, you know, he's a twice runner up. I think it was in 2002 as a player, and then 2019 they lost to Algeria in the final. Um, but they stuck with him and it's paid off. Of course, they have a very good group of players. Um, but no, I, I fully agree with you, Sean. I think that more national teams especially should be trying to follow um, that kind of path because you know, it's, it's gotten them over the line. Yeah. Uh, Manny, just quickly jump in there. Do you think that's what's... I, I presume it's, it's been a big part of Bafana Bafana's failure. Is it, do you think this is a big part of why Bafana haven't got to the stage where they, they should be? I mean, we've got, we've got everything in South Africa in terms of the best stadiums, the best facilities, and we're just not there. Do you think it's not trusting the, the head coach, not giving enough time uh, to find his feet and building a team around what we have. Yeah, look, there's a number of elements. First of all, um, congratulations to Senegal, uh, their federation showing faith in in, in a local ex, ex-player for, for seven years is quite unheard of. A nice little byline to that story is that uh, Cisse actually missed 
the all-important penalty the last time they got to a final. Yes. So um, there's huge redemption <laughs> in that story. Um, to see him standing on top of that bus in Dakar was really uh, fantastic, you know. Um, great to see. Sure, those, those scenes are insane, eh? <laughs> Absolutely insane. I mean, with regards to um, Bafana Bafana, um, it's all very well getting a good local coach in, but you've got to have an association and the powers that be who first of all show faith in him and then don't throw him under the bus when it comes to a big tournament, as has happened uh, in the past where coaches have qualified for big tournaments and then all of a sudden there's a racial incident or performance is not up to standard or blah 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 and he gets the chop and their new favorite um, boy comes in you know and um, that that's that's been our problem just with regards to development in general you know there's too many gatekeepers unqualified gatekeepers in our game Mm. who disturb our natural progression and um, yeah, that's mm. that's but a change. Yeah. You're talking about administratively at the top, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when you look at uh, LF, even at LFA level, you know, um, there's far too much petty politics involved. But ultimately, it comes mm. from the comes from the top and the behavior at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, amazing scene, that's for sure. Uh, Kurt, just before you go, what's the latest with your friend uh, Mason Greenwood? What's happening there? Um, no, so he's still out of action completely. Um, I think that he was, I think we, we spoke about it last week, he was uh, released on bail. Um, yeah. But um, no, he's, he's been dropped from Nike. Um, I saw that. He's lost yeah. his sponsorship. Um, I don't know if you saw the same thing that's happened with Kurt Zuma at West Ham um, following that video that uh, circulated on social media of him kicking and hitting his cat. He just lost his sponsorship with Adidas too. And uh, he was given a hefty fine. Oh, West Ham. So, um, yeah, consequences for your action. Wow, what is happening with these footballers? Kurt, uh, I can't thank you enough as usual, my friend. Have a beautiful week ahead. Cool. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, Sean. Cheers, Matthew. Cheers. Cheers, Kurt. Cheers, guys. Righty, let's move on there. Thanks, Curdy. Uh, Matt, we did touch on this a little bit uh, earlier, but are sundowns affecting the local market? I mean, the obvious answer is yes. Um, the ability to buy whoever they want um, obviously, their, their biggest aim, I presume, is the continent, the African Champions League, and to become one of the best teams in the world. I know that's what Patrice's vision is. But it, it doesn't become fair on the local game in terms of it becomes a little bit too predictable, doesn't it, in terms of what's going to happen uh, throughout the season? Yeah, for, for the neutral, Sean, it's not a good thing. Um, you know, especially this season, you can see Sundowns running away with it. Yeah, and really dominating, um, but but there are ways to compete with that sort of um, market domination. You know, um, clubs have got to start to scout in a more intelligent fashion, um, and ultimately they've got to take. They can't just tick the box with youth development. You know, yeah. they've got to take it more seriously. You know, it was almost like. A forced issue to 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 have um, a junior section, you know. Um, but if it's if it's run properly, um, and we know all too well, you know the success that uh, Ajax Cape Town had in that regard. Yeah. Um, as soon as they started to water down their youth development, which was the the basis of their very successful business plan. Yeah. You know, it, there was no surprise that the club dropped into the NFD. Yeah. <laughs> There's a direct correlation here. No. 
So if, if, if team scouts uh, properly take it seriously, um, <clears throat> I, I can highly recommend if you if anybody's got some time to go onto YouTube and uh, watch a series called Munchie's Masterclass. And it's Munchie is the sporting director at Seville in Spain. Now yeah. they are in a very similar position to, you know, your your super sport pirates chiefs trying to compete with Sundowns, um, yeah. where they are trying to compete with your Barca's and your Real Madrids. Yeah. And and he goes through the hierarchy and processes of their scouting system, and it's it's quite fascinating. Wow. Uh, we have some time, but yeah, we we're a long way off um, that sort of uh, system. Um, but we can do a lot better in that regard. Um, I mean, uh, who do you know is the chief scout? Do you know of the chief scout of uh, Trippy United, Sean? Uh, <laughs> do you know the chief scout of uh, Amazulu? Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, chiefs, um, I think it was Steenbock at some stage, was the chief scout. But apart from that, I don't know of anybody who's, who, who holds a position of that nature, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's a very good point. And potentially a chief scout could be worded a bit differently within um, within South Africa, maybe a head analyst of some sort, or <laughs> I think Ezra Nyandoro is the head scout at Sundowns, I could be wrong with that, but uh, uh, but but what is concerning for me at, at someone like Sundowns is that yes, they have a development structure in place, but you don't see them coming through the first team enough, and that is because they can buy any player they want, and, and, and if you want to knock onto that, there's, there doesn't seem to be any pathway to Europe for these guys. Again, you know, the players have got to be patient. You know, um, and you've got to, it's all about timing. You know, you you have the power in your own hands. Um, first of all, as a young player, you should never be signing a five-year contract. <laughs> no, well, that, that, that's greedy from the agent. Yeah, and also from it's it's, it's kind of you know, incredibly stupid from the player as well. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, to get back to Sundowns, I mean, it's natural that team is going to be tough to to crack in crack the first team. You know, you. And generally, the MDC and youth development is developing players for other teams. Mm. You know, I was watching the the, the Tux uh, Chipper game and, and young uh, Keegan Allen, uh, who was a regular in the Sundowns MDC, great great defensive uh, player, one man of the match for Tux. Mm. Um, but he wasn't able to, to, to make it into the first team, you know. Um, so that's the kind of quality that they are uh, producing. Um, but there's no reason that other clubs around the country uh, can't produce talent and allow them to to enter the foray. Um, I just feel that when you talk about gatekeepers, there's almost a secondary economy, Sean, where um, agents and technical directors and even sometimes club owners can't make um, a secondary source of income through a youth player who comes through the ranks you know there's nothing to be made from that deal (laughs) Um, and whereas you know a transfer from another club there's an opportunity to make some money Um, and that that's something that the PSL and SAFA have got to crack down on and police more thoroughly um, because that is definitely one of the the big issues with regards uh, progression for our youth yeah, 100%. But that, that is the dirty side of football, I guess, Matt. And the more I dive deeper into this space, the more disappointed I get. And I don't think it is going to change. It happens all over the world. It's not just here. I think the 
the big thing is is the lack of development here um, massively and and even though Sundowns are dominating the local market and must be a concern for them that they're not winning the African Champions League each year. No, well, they're, they're competing with Al Ali at the moment, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, their, that's their nemesis. I think that's their arch rival. You know, um, Al Ali has been around um, for a lot longer than, than Sundowns. Um, sure. They've been playing um, continental football for the longest time because they generally always win their league. Um, whereas South Af- the South African PSL over the last 20, 30 years has been a lot more competitive. Yeah. Only of late that Sundowns have really uh, dominated, you know, over the last um, sort of eight years, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, they, and they're fascinating to watch. We um, we love watching them. We love watching them grow. We love, we love watching them spend money. We wish it just could come to, come to us, I guess. Um, let, let's move on, Matty. Uh, the 10 quick fire questions. This week we have Michael Morton. Um, we all know Michael Morton as the uh, the James Milner of the PSL. And have a listen to this. Hi, this is Michael Morton from Cape Town All Stars, and these are my ten quick fire questions. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. Which player did you idolize when growing up? Steven Gerrard. What is your favorite car? Audi RS Q3. Who is the best dressed teammate you've played with? Tekken Wadise. <laughs> and the worst. Darren Keat. <laughs> 100%. 100%. What was your first big money purchase? A house. What is the worst mistake that you made in a match? Uh, I scored three on gold. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, who, who is the funniest guy you have played with in the PSL? Uh, Joseph Kabwenda. What is your fondest footballing memory? Uh, winning the Nedbank Cup in 2010 with Wits. Where is your favorite holiday destination? Thailand. And what is your favorite local food? Borobos. <laughs> and last one Messi or Ronaldo Messi there we have it um, yeah top player top boy Michael Morton isn't he uh, Maddie? but to score three own goals in one match it sounds like one of your games <laughs> <laughs> no I must say I've never um, scored an own goal a couple of deflections yes <laughs> never an own goal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a top boy. Let's, let's move on to place your bets, man. It'd be interesting to see what you uh, you feel the upcoming games this weekend. Royal AM versus Cape Town City. Where do you see that going? Yeah, it's typical. I've, I've watched. Um, we've managed to 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 watch City. Um, you know, so uh, not AM. Um, so you know, after such a long break, six week break, you know, it's difficult to say how they're going to come out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I just love watching the way that City play. Um, I felt I feel that AM have really uh, mastered the 3-4-3. Mashakinia um, and Mashasela have really dominated the two-man midfield, uh, which has been the standout for them. But um, I think that City are going to uh, take this particular one here. You know, they've made a couple of interesting signings, Cape Town City. They've also sold a couple of players, Lekea going to Egypt, I think it was, which is a very interesting move for him, but, but all good. Kaiser Chiefs versus TS Galaxy. Um, always an interesting game, whoever Kaiser Chiefs are playing. Where do you see this one going? Yeah, I think Chiefs will win this one. Um, they need to. Yeah, well, I, I think they've, they've missed out on a few uh, targets um, with regards to players, uh, but I just, I just love the their attack at the moment you know I think they're uh, attacking four or five players uh, can compete with the likes of Sundowns you know in that yeah. regard 
Um, they've still got to sort out who plays as a six, whether they play with two sixes or one. Yeah. They've still got to sort out their centre-back pairing. Uh, for me, if they, you know, I think for me, I would I would stick with a, a, a back four uh, at Chiefs. I wouldn't double with a back three. Um, and uh, if they can sort out that, and again, very similar to Pirates, come up with a, a consistent back four for a for four or five games, um, again, you're going to see great results. Uh, you know, Nukovic, I'm not sure. I saw him back at training. I'm not sure how far away he is um, from full fitness. But I think, you know, if you can rather have Billiot out wide, inverted on a left winger, cutting him onto his right and having Nukovic as the nine, I think... Um, uh, teams' defense defenses are going to be um, yeah. very concerned. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and if, if you were Kaiser Chiefs, you've got Castro, you've got Manyama, you've got Cardoso. Um, who else has got in the last six months? Would you renew these contracts? Um, yeah, I at, at, at the moment, um, you know, I think I think Manyama could be in danger um, mm. purely because of injury and lack of game time. Yeah. Um, I think that Cardosa as a right center back probably is ahead of Ingazana and Matoho at the moment. So yes, uh, he could be in line for, for renewal. Um, and yeah, um, which was the other player that you mentioned? Uh, Castro. Castro, yeah. Yeah, again, um, you know, Chiefs have, have found it difficult to replace Nukovic while he's uh, been out and they've they've relied on Bilia to be playing that role, you know. Yeah. So it's not ideal, I feel. Um, I just feel that that Castro, although that you know you can see he's a very competitive uh, player. Um, it's been it's been tough not only for him but for the entire squad. So I think to judge him on on possibly lack of service over the last two seasons um, would be pretty harsh. So I think. These next six months or five months are going to be vitally important for him because there can be no excuse now with yes. Abilet and Dolly and uh, Mobo who are on form. You know, yeah. if, he, if he manages to to bag a, a handful of uh, goals, then he could be in shot for for renewal and to be in a strong position to uh, negotiate for renewal. Yeah, yeah, that's very well put. Um, yeah, I think. And then the transfer window, it's, it's quite evident that Chiefs need a left-sided central defender, in my opinion, and potentially another striker. Um, let's move on quickly. Uh, I think Liverpool are playing Leicester City tonight. Just a quickie, your opinion on that one? Got to be a Liverpool winner. Yeah, I think um, you know Leicester got done over by a lower league um, uh, team in the in the FA. Um, so Liverpool yep. might face a bit of a backlash there. Uh, but but really, when you when you look at um, the the squad depth of Liverpool and the way that they play, um, I would I would definitely bet on put my money on Liverpool going through. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Let's move this week in football history. Today we remember great moments from the past. We dive into the time capsule. Join us as we remember great moments from this week in football history. This week in 2006, Egypt, Egypt won their fifth African Cup of Nations, beating Cote d'Ivoire on penalties. 4-2 after the match went uh, went the full 120 minutes of goalless. The match came 49 years to the day after their first win in an AFCON match. 
This week, 64 years ago, an airplane containing Man United players and staff crashed in Munich, killing 23 passengers. The fatalities included eight United players and three staff members, as well as two crew members and eight journalists. This, of course, is known as the Munich Air Disaster. And finally, in the 9th of, on the 9th of February, 2010, Amy Fern became the first woman to referee an English football league match when she took charge of the last 20 minutes of Coventry City's contest against Nottingham Forest. And this week we would like to wish Mamelodi Sundowns and the final the final defender, Christian Derek, a very, very happy birthday. Happy birthday, my boy Che. And from there, we move on to the car of the week. This week's car is the Kia Carnival 2.2 CRD SX Limited. The Kia Grand Sedona has been reborn as the new Kia Carnival, an SUV-inspired van with so much tech and luxury that you might just forget all about those pricey German people movers. Kia interiors have improved in leaps and bounds over the last few years, and the Carnival's cabin is a testament to this. The Carnival's center stack fascia, instrument cluster, slick touchscreen, and, and every conceivable surface, be it glossy, black, or plastic, feels like absolute quality. Our Carnival limited trim uh, ensconces seven persons in absolute luxury. As before, the second row has two separate captain seats, fully electronic, with a USB port for each passenger on the backside of the front seats. The driver and front passenger seat can be heated and ventilated too, and the rear air conditioning controls are quite extensive. It's noteworthy that where running costs are concerned, the Carnival came out tops in terms of the shootout between the Toyota Quantum and the VW Transporter, ranging from 800,000 to 1.1 mil from the top end. I have a Kia actually, and I give this beauty an eight and a half out of 10. Uh, if you're a family man like yourself, Mr. Matthew Booth, I suggest you go have a quick little squiz as it, at it, I would say. Um, and we end off, Manny, already with a motivational quote of the week, which is, and I say this from Bob Proctor. I don't know if you know who Bob Proctor is, Matt, but he is a he's been an absolute mentor in my life in terms of uh, guidance for these online courses and whatnot. And he unfortunately passed away last week. He says, "You create abundance by changing what you focus on." It is very cliche, but it's so so true. And uh, yeah, that is how we end off, guys, our episode 100 of the Car Wash. Whether you have been listening on SL Podcasts of Sierra today. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Mucky King 96.7 Game Time. Thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Roberts. And of course, my good friend, Mr. Matthew Booth. Thank you, sir. Thanks, uh, Jeremy Clarkson. It was uh, fantastic, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> we will see you same time, same place next week. Thanks, guys. Kozi kapu. Today is a great day for car wash. Yeah, sure. Car wash. <laughs> this is the car wash on the SL podcast. This is a slang and a card.